For the last several months, I engaged with a major research project to evaluate the trust premium that customers are willing to pay when they are buying from someone that they trust. However, part of that research is more general and relates to our overall attitudes and perceptions of trust. In this episode, I will tell you what I found so far about the relationships between risk-taking attitude, perceptions of trustworthiness and whether people should be trusted, the willingness to start with trust and let people lose it rather than wait for them to earn my trust, and our belief that you get what you paid for. Some of those findings are more obvious, some are less obvious and somewhat surprising. I'll share all of this information right after this. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm Yoram Solomon, your host, the author of The Book of Trust and facilitator of The Trust Habits Workshop. My mission is simple. I want to help you form habits that build your trustworthiness because the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? Let me start uh, in general uh, so that you'll understand where I'm coming from. I've been conducting two surveys. One, I started with the first batch. This is all within Trust Premium. I started the first batch with financial advisors, and then the second batch was uh, insurance agents. I'm about to start the third batch probably this week. So, so far, uh, th there are a few questions that are similar to all of them, and, and so far the sample size I have for that is 224 participants, which lends itself to a margin of error of 7% for a 95% confidence. So for me to be 95% confident that I can predict based on some parameters what uh, our attitudes are going to be, I'm going to be within a margin of error of 7%. Now, one thing I have to say here is that the results are very visual. I have a lot of charts, a lot of uh, tables, and I will be publishing a report very soon, probably within a week or two, uh, that will be available on my website and uh, my blog and, and my newsletter. But I'm, I'm just telling you that uh, if you want to see the results, that's probably where you want to see it. Uh, I'm going to do what I'm going to do here in this episode is try and go over mainly the insights that I got from, from this research. Now, uh, there are a few general questions that I plugged into every one of those surveys, regardless of uh, whether I included financial advisors, insurance agents, and, and you'll see what they are in, in just a minute. Those questions are part of every survey. They will continue to be part of every survey, and therefore, I will get a bigger and bigger sample size, and therefore, I will reduce the margin of error that I get, even though a 7% is, is a reasonable margin of error uh, to get the trends. Now, the questions are... Uh, there are several questions that I included here. I believe uh, there are uh, five questions that I'm going to address uh, today. And uh, each one of them really starts with, to what degree do you agree or disagree with the following statement? The options are, there are seven options. The middle one, number four, is neutral. But then on one side, we have somewhat disagree, generally disagree, strongly disagree. And on the other side, somewhat agree, generally agree, 
strongly agree. So you can see that uh, there is the neutral, then there's the three options for disagreeing, three options for agreeing at different levels of agreement or disagreement. So the first question I'll address is risk-taking. So to what degree do you agree or disagree with the following statement? Question 61 was, I consider myself a risk-taker. That's pretty straightforward. Question 64, people in general can be trusted. So kind of what do you think about people? Do, do you think that people should be trusted or not or can be trusted by, or not? Then I had two questions that in the future I will combine them into one. One of them was that I trust people until they betray my trust. That's question 66. 67 was I don't trust people until they earn my trust. So these are really two opposites. And what I decided to do is, first of all, see if there was a correlation between them. And obviously, there was an opposite correlation. So as one of them goes up, uh, the other one goes down. So the more I'm willing to trust people until they betray my trust, the less I would say that I don't trust people until they earn my trust and vice versa. I found something that, uh, that in, ter in terms of statistical significance, and a little later I'll talk about statistical significance and significance in general. I got something that's called a p-value, which gives me an indication any number below 0.15 is strong statistical significance. I got 0.000763, so very strong significance in the correlation between the two. So what I did was I really combined them, and in the future, they will really just be one question with two extremes. On one extreme, I trust people until they betray my trust. On the other is I don't trust people until they earn my trust. Question 70 was, um, this This is more related to the uh, trust premium. Uh, trust premium is really uh, your willingness to pay for things that, um, you know, are other than, uh, um, uh, well, the, you always pay for value, but that your willingness to pay for trust. So there is this statement that we always use, uh, you get what you paid for. So question 70 is to what degree do you agree with or disagree with the following statement? I believe that you get what you paid for, and in parentheses, that if you pay more, you get more value, and if you pay less, you get less value. So I wanted to know to what degree do people agree with this statement that, that's kind of stuck in the back of our minds, uh, you get what you paid for. Now, uh, when I summarized, when I tabulated the results, I did... I tabulated them in, well, in three ways. One of them is for each one of the seven options from strongly disagree, generally disagree, somewhat disagree, neutral, somewhat agree, uh, generally agree, and strongly agree. Then I had, uh, so on, on one hand, one way to tabulate it was agree, neutral, disagree, and it doesn't matter what level of agreement or disagreement. So I call this the narrow neutral. So this is really... Anything that goes into the neutral row are people who just answer selected neutral. That's the narrow neutral. But I also added uh, tabulation with broad or wide neutral. And in wide neutral, I added the somewhat disagree and somewhat agree. So if you're still close to neutral, I added that there. 
and, and therefore, when I say agree, it's really only people who said generally agree and strongly agree, or people who said generally disagree or strongly disagree, and everything else is, is really kind of the neutral. One other thing that I found when, when I looked at the four areas, uh, willingness to take risk, uh, our perception that people can be trusted in general, uh, my willingness to start with trust and let people lose it rather than start with distrust and have people earn it first, and our agreement with you get what you paid for, what I found was that, um, first of all, the standard deviation was pretty small, which means that the answers were pretty pretty cons consistent in general. I mean, you would always find somebody who would say a one and somebody who would say a seven, so strongly agree and strongly disagree. But in general, over a sample of 224 people, it was pretty narrow. It was pretty tight. And in one of them, actually, it was tighter than the others. So with that, let, let's start looking at the results. And again, I'm not going to just read the table to you or read a chart. That's something that you can see if you download the document. I, I'm going to instead tell you what the conclusions are or discuss it. So the first question was about risk-taking. So, so let's talk about risk-taking. In general, I, find, I found that we are avoiding risk. 52%, more than half of people, disagreed with the statement, I'm a risk-taker. Only 29% agreed. The rest were obviously in the, uh, in the middle. Even if I said significantly disagree, so generally or strongly, I took out the, the somewhat disagree, Still, 29% said, no, I, I am not willing to take risk. And, and by the way, that's against 10% who, who agreed. So three to one, a ratio of three to one. So generally, we are avoiding risk. Now, this one was a, a little surprising. Uh, when I asked the question, if you agree with uh, people can be trusted, 46% um, actually agreed. 46% agreed that people can be trusted. And, um, and th this is in the narrow. So, so just, you know, j just over those who said more, more, that they're more in agreement than neutral or, or disagree. 26% uh, disagreed with that. The rest were neutral. So interestingly, I, I don't know why. I, I thought that our general perception is going to be that people cannot be trusted, but it looks like we're actually on the positive side. Another thing that uh, surprised me a little, I, I guess I, I was more cynical than, than I thought, was that 51%, more than half, said that um, I would rather start by trusting someone and let them lose my trust. Then only 16% said, I would rather start with distrusting someone and they have to, to earn my trust. So more than three times. But again, it's not just more than three times. More than half the people said, I would rather start uh, by trusting someone um, and, and let them lose my trust than the opposite. But one thing I need to state here is that I had a very wide neutral, which you can already guess. Um, no, you can't because you're not seeing the results. But I had a very wide neutral. So 76%. Uh, if I included neutral, somewhat disagree, somewhat agree, 76% of people fell within that, that group. Uh, so it's, it's, it's neutral. Um, 
the the average here was 4.5 so if 4 is neutral and 5 is slightly agree then the average was somewhere there between neutral and slightly agree so we're a little above but very close to the average um the you get what you paid for was very strong 61% agreed with the statement that, that that's what they believe that you get what you paid for which by the way gives me a very strong case for the whole trust premium uh premise in in research so 61% agreed that you you get what you paid for 20% disagreed that you get what you pay for uh even if i looked at the wide neutral so kind of uh, lumped the uh, neutral slightly uh, agree slightly disagree in the middle i still had 32 percent agreeing that you get what you paid for strongly agreeing i would say versus six percent so we're almost we're more than five to one ratio okay next what i'm going to do in this episode is i'll talk about the impact of age because i have uh, the age demographics gender income level and the financial perception of your income and, and your, your finances in general. Um, age, uh, you know, it's the things that you go through your life. I, I looked at different ages. I, I didn't break it by generations. I really broke it by, you know, the age of 18 to 26. You're still on your parents' uh, health care. Uh, you're, you're trying to figure yourself out. Maybe you live out. Maybe you still live with your parents. 27 to 35 is probably the age you get married. Um, 36, 45, uh, you already have kids. Uh, you know, life looks differently. 46 to 59 is the group where I'm in uh, before in a year. I'm going to switch to the next one, which is 60 plus, which is where you start thinking about retirement. And no, I'm not thinking about retirement in case you're wondering. So um, in, in the financial perception, so the, the, the next one was, so we had age, we had a gender income level. So I'll, I broke income level by, uh, by I'm trying to remember uh, the numbers here. Actually, I'll just uh, go down and find it. Under twenty-five thousand a year, uh, twenty-five to fifty, uh, fifty to seventy-five, seventy-five to a hundred, a hundred to one hundred forty-nine, or one hundred fifty, and then one hundred fifty thousand and above. But then I also broke it into um, what is your perception of your financial um, of your financial situation and. Uh, I gave several options. Uh, one is barely making it, staying above water. I managed to put money into saving. I'm doing just fine. And then the last one, which uh, very few selected, uh, so I, I just eliminated that. I have more than I need. Almost nobody was willing to admit they have more than they need. What I found is a very strong correlation between the income and what I feel about the income. So I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time uh, comparing uh, the different uh, results with uh, separately from the actual income and what you feel about your income or your financial status. <music> 
The first item that I started analyzing by age, uh, income level, gender, and so on, uh, was the uh, risk tolerance, our willingness to, to, to take risk. And, and as I said before, 52% uh, say we are not willing to take risk, 29% said that we are. As I break it by age, what I found was that the 18 to 35 age range, those are the people who were willing to take more risk. So 38% in those ages said we're willing to take risk. The average was 29%. So 38% are risk takers in the ages of 18 to 35. And it really drops off uh, across all the other ages. Um, and it, it's really just above um, uh, 35. So as, as we grow old... It seems we're willing, we're less willing to take risk. And then if I look at the opposite, the disagreement, the, the saying I, I'm not willing to take risk, um, the number goes from 48 to 46 percent uh, in those ages up to um, uh, 52 percent at the higher ages. And actually, there, there seems to be like a bump between 36 and 45 where this number is almost 70 percent. Uh, there's a big drop after 36, um, after the age of, uh, well, after the age of 35 uh, into 36, there's a big drop in our willingness to take risks. So the younger we are, 18 to 35, we're more willing to take risk. Um, the older we are, less. When I look at gender, uh, females are more risk averse, they're they're. 57% saying they disagree with uh, the statement, I'm a risk taker. 57% women, 46% men. So, so it is somewhat significant. Remember, the average is 52%. Uh, and uh, risk takers are willingness to take risk on the flip side. 25% for women, 34% for men. So we have a 9% difference here, 11% actually on willingness, on, on not willing to take risk, 9% uh, on, no, I'm sorry, uh, yes, 9% uh, on willingness to take risk. So women are less willing to take risk, based on my survey, okay? When I compare it to income level, the higher income level, the more risk people, the more risk averse people are. So this goes from 30% for people who are making 25000 or less to 51% right above that and all the way to 60% when they're making hundred to 149000 So the more we have, you would think that the more you have, the more you're willing to take risk. But actually, uh, it seems like the more you have, the more you want to hold on to what you have and you're less willing to take risk. Interesting, not what I thought, uh, but it is what it is. The next part is uh, our perception of whether people are trusted. Uh, again, uh, starting with age, uh, it's pretty consistent level of trust uh, until the age of 60, I should say. So we're all there in the uh, 38 to 43 percent who say people should be trusted. Um, and uh, when we go to above the age of 60, that number jumps to 53%. 53% people over the age of 60 say that they uh, 
feel that people can be trusted compared to an average of 45%. Now, this is important because that really does speak to generations. Um, the younger generations, less willing to trust others. The older generations, more willing to trust uh, people. Um, we do have a very broad, uh, wide uh, neutral. So if I added, uh, you know, just to start with, the neutral was anywhere between uh, 24% to 33%. So one in three, one in four, one in three people was right there in the middle, neutral on willingness to trust. But when I do the, when I use the wide neutral, so I include the slightly disagree, slightly agree that people can be trusted. Now that that range in the middle is between 62% and 79%. It's very, very broad. So, and, and the average is actually 4.21. So again, four is neutral. Five is slightly agree that people can be trusted, but we're only at 4.21. So we're closer to the right there in the middle neutral than to, to above it. So um, it's important to note that while, and, and I, I admit, I was a little surprised that uh, 45% said that we agree that people can be trusted. Only 26% say said we don't. The rest were neutral. But it was um, it was generally consistent uh, across the different ages. Gender-wise, there was pretty significant uh, difference. So while the agreement was very similar, it's 45%, both male and female, when asked... Uh, uh, People can be, do you agree that people can be trusted in general? Both of them were at 45%. But in terms of those who disagreed, there was a significant uh, increase among males who men said that 34% of them said they disagree that uh, people can be trusted in general, only 23% of females. So females were more likely to be neutral than to disagree that people cannot be trusted males were much more likely to say people cannot be trusted versus uh, neutral. And, and as a result, you can see that the, the, even the averages are different. So in general, males are more distrusting than females. How about income level? Income level was pretty consistent um, across the different levels. There was a bit of a jump there uh, above 150000 so people who are making more than $150,000 a year uh, felt more that others can be trusted, that, that people can be trusted in general. That number went to 61% uh, compared to an average of 45%. Well, the rest of them are very, very consistent. The rest of the uh, income levels are very consistent. Uh, I, I have a feeling that, that it's just not a big enough sample uh, for that one because above $150,000, there were much, much fewer people. And it was very consistent with what do people feel about their own financial situation. So that's that um, in the future, I'm not going to separate that into two different questions. Next was uh, whether we are willing to trust people first and let them betray our trust rather than start with distrusting them, uh, requiring, the, requiring them to earn my trust before. 
Uh, that willingness to start with trust is relatively consistent across the different age groups. Uh, but we do have a very broad, again, very broad neutral. Actually, I think that's the, the broadest neutral that we had. So um, about 30 to 38% of people uh, were neutral. I mean, actually selected the I'm neutral about this question. Uh, 70 to 85% when I broadened the neutral to include slightly agreeing, slightly disagreeing with the statement. So in general, I would say that we fall right there in the middle. Although when I look at the average, the average is 4.1, uh, 4.51. So it's slightly towards the slightly agree. So I agree that uh, I can, I'm willing to start by trusting people uh, rather than start by distrusting people. A very narrow standard deviation, which kind of indicates why we have so many right there in the middle. Uh, across gender, I, I did not see significant. There were no significant gender different gender differences. So men and women uh, tend to equally very same way. Fifty one percent agree. I would start by trusting um, and and let someone lose my trust rather than start by distrusting and let someone uh, have someone earn my trust first. Um, as far as income level, we are a little more willing to trust when we have, to start with trust when we have higher income, but only slightly more. So it's not significant. We went from 50% to 56% at the highest uh, as income went up. Um, and kind of the same thing happened when uh, I asked people about how do you feel about your own finances, uh, the more... Uh, they're willing to, the better they feel that they are financially, regardless of their actual income level, the more they were willing to uh, to start with trust. But again, it was not a dramatic uh, difference. The last item was the you get what you paid for. Uh, I did not see a dramatic uh, difference across ages. It was pretty consistent, uh, somewhere in the 55 to 61 percent uh, who agree with that statement. Uh, uh, the uh, what you get is what you get is what you paid for, uh, which is interesting because I would have expected the higher ages to be a little more accentuated. I did have this bump. Uh, in the uh, 46 to 59 age group, it went up to 61. But I think that's really a matter of sample size rather than uh, a true trend because the, the group above it went back to the average of about 55, 57%. So, uh, uh, and there was some abnormality at um, uh, low at the 27 to 35 uh, in... in um, in disagreeing that you get what you paid for. But but again, I, I attribute that more to sample size at, at this point. I didn't see significant difference in ages. I mean, just a couple of percent points here or there. Uh, income level, I did see a difference. The more you make, the more you believe in you get what you paid for. One way I would attribute this is that... Um, the more money you have, the more you're willing to pay to get more value as opposed to uh, the less money you have, the less you go, well, I'm, I'm going to get more value, so uh, I'm willing to pay more. 
So that's that's an important point that uh, trust premium should probably have a much bigger impact on higher earners, higher income earners than lower income earners. And again, when I ask people about what you feel about your finances, then um, uh, then uh, it was very consistent with how much they're actually really making. Now I went to analyze correlation between uh, different uh, components here. And the first one was the uh, between risk and the fact that people can be trusted. Now, I'm going to be using two terms that are not interchangeable. I'm going to use significant versus statistically significant. The difference is when something is statistically significant, that means that there is a correlation and we can see the correlation and it is very consistent. We have a good p-value of less than 0 0.15, uh, which means that those two are correlated. But being correlated doesn't mean that this correlation is strong in terms of uh, a big impact of one over the other. It's just that we see a very clear impact. We just don't know how big it is. Something significant means that any change in one of them makes a significant change in the other. Okay, so I'll talk about the two and, and maybe I'll, I'll explain it a little more. So the first one I checked was between the fact that you're a risk taker and whether you think that people can be trusted. I did not find a correlation here. There is no correlation between whether you're a risk taker and whether you think that people can be trusted or not. There was no correlation. Couldn't find it. I mean, it wasn't statistically significant. And uh, and even if I look at uh, just just what kind of looks like the ratio between them, it's it's almost a a, uh, a completely horizontal line. The next one, on the other hand, when I asked about your risk tolerance and your acceptance of the statement, you get what you paid for. This was statistically significant, so we I did see some. Uh, it, it was significant. By the way, it was borderline. Uh, you need to have a p-value, which is a, a statistic term of zero point one five. I actually had zero point one four nine, so very close to to not being statistically significant, but it is statistically significant. But it didn't have a significant impact. So we're talking eight point six percent, less than nine percent. So. Um, if you are more of a risk taker, you're more willing to agree that you get what you paid for, but but the, the correlation is less than 9%. So it doesn't go up significantly higher. Okay. So the willingness to take risk has little impact, does have an impact, but little impact on believing that you get what you paid for. Next correlation was between your risk tolerance, your willingness to take risk, and whether you're willing to start with trust. This was a stronger statistically significant correlation. So it was 0 0.058. But again, it wasn't a strong impact. It was less than 10%, about 9.6%, which means that being a risk taker, if you're more of a risk taker, you do have impact although a little impact on your willingness to start with trust which kind of makes sense i mean if i'm more risk if i'm more of a risk taker i'm more willing to trust others first and let them betray my trust versus the other way around so maybe i should be surprised there was less than 10 percent. so the the relationship was less than 10 percent now here is a big one 
the correlation between I believe that people can be trusted and my willingness to start with trust, that was a very strong, significant, a statistical significant and a very strong correlation. So the, the correlation was almost 45%. So to, to say this in, in a sentence, if I believe that people can be trusted or the more I believe that people can be trusted, the more I'm willing to extend trust first, which makes sense. I mean, it makes very strong sense, but now I have the statistical data to back it up. Okay, let me summarize. I threw a lot of numbers at you. As I said, this is very visual. This is something you need to look at rather than listen to. Uh, so I'm, this is why I'm, I'm repeating some of the, the key uh, data pieces. But but again, I, I would encourage you to go and look at my website, uh, trusthabits.com slash blog. Go to my blog, subscribe to my newsletter. You're going to get the report uh, that will come out in the next week or two, as, as you can already tell, I've, I already have the data, the charts, the, the tables, uh, and all I need to do is just put them together in, in a document. I just wanted to share with you uh, that information first. So in summary, general, generally, we are avoiding risk. 52% disagreed with I'm a risk taker. Only 29% agreed. Significant disagreement. 29%. Females are more risk averse. 57% versus 46% for men, and are less risk takers, 25% versus 34% for men. The higher the income level, the more risk averse we are, not risk takers, the more risk averse, the more money we have, the more money we make, the less we want to part with it uh, at risk. And it wasn't just financial risk I talked about. Surprisingly, 46% agreed that people can be trusted. Only 26% disagreed. I thought we are more cynical than that, but apparently we're not. People over the age of 60 are more trusting than younger people. Very broad, wide, neutral here. So uh, even though they're more trusting, but in general, we're more uh, around the neutral than, than in one way or one direction or the other. Males are a lot more distrusting than females. Females, women are, are more trusting uh, than men or less distrusting than, than men. And I didn't find a significant impact of income or, or the perception of uh, how I'm doing financially on what I think, whether I think people can be trusted or not. On average, we're slightly leaning towards starting with trust, but again, very wide neutral. No significant gender differences here. A little more willing to trust first with age, but, but it's a little. There is a strong you get what you paid for. 61% of people believe that you get what you paid for. Only 20% don't. Uh, that's a strong case for my whole trust premium premise. Uh, no significant gender differences. A little more with age, but again, not significant. When I looked at correlations, there is no significant correlation between being a risk taker and believing that people can be trusted. Little positive correlation between being a risk taker and agreeing that you get what you paid for, but that's less than 9%. Again, little positive correlation between being a risk taker and willing to start with trust, 
less than 10%. I would have expected more here. Where the big correlation, the big impact is, is between the fact that I believe that people can be trusted and that I'm willing to extend trust first, let you lose it, rather than demand that you earn my trust, which makes sense if I think that people can be trusted. As I said, I will publish an article with the findings, a report. Uh, you'll find it in my blog. You'll find it in my newsletter. That's it for today. May trust be with you. This was The Trust Show. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops, online courses, books, or go to my website, trusthabits.com. And remember that the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.